You are listening to John DeYard's Life Spa, your premier source for health news and Ayurveda, where modern science meets ancient wisdom. Hi, everyone. I hope uh, you are all ready for the chocolate effect and and what that means and, and what the chocolate effect is. You know, interesting about Ayurveda and chocolate, um, I think I might want to tackle that first. You know, chocolate in Ayurveda um, is considered a rajasic agent. Um, it's very stimulating. And it's not only stimulating for the brain, it's stimulating as an antioxidant, it's stimulating as a medicine. Um, as we'll talk about here in a little bit, there are, are, are literally volumes and volumes of studies um, trying to understand exactly how chocolate works. It has over 300 active constituents of which we know very little about. Um, so the science is only really beginning to understand this incredible food. Um, in Ayurveda, there's this concept that everything should be sattvic. Sattvic is loving, giving, kind, joyful, peaceful, serene, stable. When you're in a sattvic way of living, your heart is open and you're juiced by giving love by being love, not needing love. We grow up as young infants, we're sort of very sattvic in nature. And then as our senses develop in our mind, we begin to use our mind, our senses to stimulate ourselves and give us a, a sense of satisfaction. And um, and that's okay. We, we can leave it like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we, we can... Uh, um, give ourselves a sense of stimulation or satisfaction. And the problem is, is when the senses begin to develop, um, when the senses begin to develop, we get attracted to our senses. And this is a rajasic way of being. It is natural for us to become rajasic. It is extremely natural for us to go to use our senses, to go into the outer world, to, to explore, to create, to uh, become inspired to change the world. Our problem in our culture is we've become overly stimulated by our senses and the senses stimulate a reward chemistry. Chemistries measured, chemist, chemist, chemistries measured by things like dopamine and serotonin that give us a reward chemistry, make us feel good. Well, there's no doubt that chocolate, as we'll see, will stimulate a reward chemistry. It delivers a noticeable, substantial reward, makes you feel better. But like any other stimulant, um, the right amount is, is actually fine and very useful. The wrong amount in excess from the Ayurvedic perspective is where we go wrong. The last sort of mental quality is called tamasic, where after you overstimulate yourself so much, that you are raw emotionally, your nervous system is raw, and you want to protect and check out and, and withdraw from the world. And that's called a tamasic style of behavior. And people will drink and go into drugs. Marijuana, for example, is a very tamasic drug. It puts you into this cocoon of protection and and then when you go there, you feel very, very safe. You don't have to think, you don't have to do anything. So you feel very safe there. The difficult part is leaving that protective tamasic place and re-entering into the world. Now, even in Ayurveda, 
taking marijuana as a medicine to help calm down an overstimulated mind is actually the use of marijuana as a medicine. Even in spiritual realms, they would give marijuana to give someone who's thinking, thinking, thinking incessantly the ability to be more calm. In the same way, but not to say that they should do it all the time. It was sort of helping them, giving them a taste of their own inner science, and then they do it on their own. Chocolate has the ability to create a, a rajasic stimulation for someone who has dulled their senses, who needs to open up those channels just a little bit. A little bit of chocolate can increase cognitive function and increase those subtle channels. Too much chocolate can actually overstimulate and create a dulling effect. So realistically, what we're talking about from the Ayurvedic perspective is, you know, there is no free lunch. More is not necessarily better. It's understanding how to get the best of this uh, really amazing food. And, and it's been used for, for you know, almost 3,000 years, according to the science that the Aztecs were using it almost 2,000 years, 1,900 years before Christ. So it's been around for a long time. So I think that the proper use of this can actually be extremely valuable. In Ayurveda, there are herbs, for example, if you take them. Bacopa, for example, will give you stimulating mental clarity and function. It's a brain-derived neurotropic factor. makes you smarter. We know that. Take too much of it, then you would be overstimulated. You can't sleep at night. Sort of in a similar way. There are herbs in Ayurveda that would have a similar effect, uh, although uh, chocolate is, um, you know, right up there, as we'll see, in terms of all the chemistry that it seems to deliver to the brain. Um, interesting about interesting thing about chocolate also is it's harvested, generally speaking, in rainforests. It's a and it's harvested at the at the end of the rainy season. Um, depending on where it is around the world, it's always harvested at the end of the rainy season. Now, at the end of the rainy season, Ayurvedically, is the end of the kapha season, right? The end of the kapha season is the most dulling time of the year. So if you lived in the rainy season, in the, in the rainforest, and it was raining and raining and raining for six months, at the end of that season, if you could harvest something that would actually stimulate your mood a little bit, give you more mental clarity, wake you up, that would probably be something that would be really, um, uh, um, you'd be grateful for, for example. And at the end of the rainy season is the end of the kapha season in Ayurveda. The end of each season is the accumulation or the most of that dosha. So for the example, at the end of the winter, it's the accumulation of cold and dry, of winter qualities. End of summer, it's the accumulation of heat. Nature gives us fruits and vegetables to cool and dissipate that heat. So at the end of each season, you have the extreme of that season, and nature always provides for us the most powerful antidote for the extreme of that season. Now in the rainforest, that's where you get the, the, the um, cacao uh, bean, which actually is extremely stimulating to antidote this very cophic effect that takes place in the rainforest. So from nature's perspective, it's actually offering the perfect antidote to the extreme of, this, of that season where it's been harvested. Of course, once the Spanish invaded South America and Central America and they found out they were using this as this incredible drug in, in, in their culture, and they brought it back to Europe and infected Europe with this desire for, for chocolate 
and sugar at the same time. It brewed slavery and just this incredible uh, world of chocolate that we now live in and only really now is just beginning to understand it. So there's a little history of chocolate. So I think that at the right season, we're in the end of the, we're in coffee season, the end of the coffee season right now. It's a perfect time to have this discussion where chocolate actually is seasonally appropriate right now. Uh, here in Colorado, we've had incredible rains. Uh, it is our rainy season as well. So a little bit of chocolate can go a long way. So as you know, dark chocolate is really what we're talking about. We're not talking about chocolate with a lot of sugar in it. Uh, sugar has a uh, a lot of issues, and that's not the topic of this conversation. Uh, chocolate on its own without the sugar has all the benefits that we're going to talk about tonight. The sugar doesn't help at all. Most of the studies I'm going to cite tonight um, are with dark chocolate over 70% cacao, which means that there's relatively little sugar in there. However, I am personally a big fan of 100% dark chocolate where you don't have any sugar in it or any sweeteners of any kind, whether it be stevia or, or uh, xylitol or other types of natural sweeteners, I would prefer that we don't have any sweeteners and that you adapt and, and adjust and, and uh, train your taste buds to be able to enjoy a really good dark chocolate, which I think is uh, pretty interesting. So before we go into all that, I wanna talk about some of my favorite dark chocolates that I like that are 100% that I think are wonderful and and something for you to know about. I think if you understand them, use them in moderation in the right season and with the right body type, then you can actually do pretty well and enjoy it. And, it, and, and you gotta also look at the science. I had a very difficult time finding any science that said anything negative about chocolate or cacao for that matter. Um, I know in Ayurveda says that rajasic behavior and herbs are, are stimulating. However, garlic is rajasic. And so is our onions are rajastic. And those are extremely um, controversial, extremely controversial in India in Ayurvedic circles. And I think that chocolate, I've seen that used in spiritual organizations where they use chocolate as a, as a spiritual uh, stimulant to wake up the brain so the brain can become more aware. So I think as a tool for awareness, chocolate provides a lot of value. It does create clarity. So let's take a look at some of the interesting science about chocolate. Okay, one of the things that they found very recently is that chocolate, when you taste it in your mouth, it actually, um, it actually ferments in your stomach. And it actually, um, there's certain bacteria in your stomach, bifidobacteria and lactobacillus, that actually feast on chocolate in your stomach. And they found out that this fermentation and this feeding of the bugs in your stomach actually are, are responsible for some of the anti-inflammatory benefits of chocolate. So we also know that chocolate is a prebiotic. I'll talk about that in a second. But so the first thing you need to know is that there are some interesting benefits. Chocolate is a very powerful antioxidant. It's an extremely bitter, bitter bean. When you take the bean and they take the, the sweet husk off the bean, the bean is like the most concentrated blueberry antioxidant agent that you can find. That's why it's so dark. It's all the flavonoids and flavones that are there that make it so dark and all these polyphenols that are make it so dark. Extremely, extremely powerful. If you just tasted that alone, it'd be so, so bitter, you probably wouldn't eat it. But they process that in a way to make it sweeter, they take out some of the acidity, some of the bitterness, and that's what we have 
how we actually have chocolate today. So, so it is an extremely powerful medicine. That's the basic message tonight, that this effect is a medicinal effect. How often you use this medicine, that is you know, something that I think you have to be careful not to overdo it. We don't have any science to say that if you did overdo it, bad things would happen. But that's the message from Ayurveda that says, be careful by overstimulating yourself. Okay. Well, in another study, they had um, uh, people who drank this high antioxidant cacao drink um, for three months, and um, and they measured their memory, and their actually memory was so much better. It was literally decades improved. In other words, that their memory was as if they were uh, had the memory of people decades younger than them. So it wasn't like a couple of years, it was decades younger. So the, so the effect on the memory is really, really difficult to dispute. It has lots of nutrition, it's loaded with fiber, iron, magnesium, copper, manganesium, uh, potassium, phosphorus, zinc, selenium, another antioxidant. So it's got a lot of very interesting nutrients. Uh, it's been shown in the New England Journal of Medicine, it's been shown to decrease cardiovascular disease and stopping um, bad cholesterol from oxidizing. The thing about cholesterol that's bad, that's even still bad now today that we know that cholesterol is sort of not as bad as it once was because we know cholesterol actually is quite good for the body um, in the right amounts. It's when it oxidizes that it's always been bad. And chocolate helps this cholesterol to not oxidize, which is very good, and not allow it to stick to the walls of the artery, which is, of course, the most important part of it. It prevents the formation of blood clots, which can lead to heart attacks and strokes and things like that. It increases the flexibility of the blood vessels and therefore lowers blood pressure. Um, and of course, it, there, as a result, decreases the stress on the heart. Other studies show that it helps the body utilize um, sugars reducing diabetes. It helps in one study, it actually helped to lower insulin levels. In one study, it showed that when people took um, cacao for, I think it was three months in that study, it showed that, that their insulin levels actually decreased. Uh, it didn't change their fasting blood sugar levels, but the placebo group that didn't get the cacao actually showed increased insulin levels and increased fasting blood sugar levels. So there was significant difference there in blood sugar. That's a well-documented study. It's been done many, many times to show that this sugar or this big chocolate, actually the cow actually helps to reduce our, our, our risk of um, blood sugar-related issues. It reduces dental cavities and periodontal disease. It improves memory, slows down dementia, it improves the quality of your skin. It's a powerful antioxidant. It's going to naturally do that. Uh, it decreases inflammation like arthritis, fibromyalgia, things like that. And that's due now, they know, to the fermentation of the, um, of the cacao in the stomach where it activates and proliferates this lactobacillus and bifidobacteria in the intestinal tract. And it also helps to decrease um, weight. It helps us lose weight. And it does that by satisfying us at a different level. You know, and when I, you know, when I was in India, as one Ayurvedic doctor said that it goes right to the brain. Boom, it goes right to the brain. And when it goes to the brain, the brain gets instantly satisfied and when it gets satisfied, it's satisfied. It doesn't think about food. Sugar glucose takes a while for it to get to the brain. So by the time the sugar gets to the brain and tells you the brain, hey, I'm full and everything's great, you've already pigged out on five or six pieces of pizza and you've overeaten and overshot 
the runway in terms of the amount of food that you need and the extra food, sugar, fuel ends up getting stored as fat. And that's a big problem, a huge problem with our culture. Um, one other thing is they found that cacao is a natural prebiotic, okay, which means that it helps the natural proliferation of good bacteria in your intestinal tract, in your gut. So not only in your stomach, which is one study showed that it actually was the anti-inflammatory benefit, but now they also know that cacao, when it goes into your large intestine, it actually acts as a natural prebiotic, increasing the proliferation of, again, bifidobacteria lactobacillus in the intestinal tract. And they really believe that, that it's this prebiotic activity that activates the antioxidant activity, the cognitive function, the decreased aging, the longevity. Um, it's all linked to the gut microbiome changes that this cacao seems to provide, which is pretty amazing things. It also shows um, changes in the ability for the um, gut microbiome to absorb the cacao, to absorb the antioxidants. So it changes the intestinal microbes so they can actually absorb the, um, the microbes in a way that actually makes them um, more useful for our body. So not only does it actually change the microbiome that supports the microbiome's ability to actually deliver all the health benefits, cognitive function, memory, and uh, anti-aging benefits, cardiovascular benefits, all that, but it also allows these antioxidants to absorb through the intestinal wall better. So, you know, again, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things, and, and coffee is sort of one of those also similar agents where the studies are so, so much benefit with coffee, but we also know it's a powerful stimulant. We also know a lot of people can't take it. We know people will get, get, get headaches when they stop taking it. Chocolate can be the same way. People can overdo the run, overshoot that runway, and they can, and it can either stop working, you need more of it. So you really, again, as I talk about these studies, you got to remember, don't overdo it because it's uh, um, very, very important that you realize that this is a powerful, powerful medicine. Okay. Um, also, they found out that, that when you're under a lot of stress, we've known this for a while, they've known this for a while, that the stress will impact your good microbes and um, the bad microbes will proliferate and the good microbes will disappear when you're under a lot of stress. They've done studies where they take the poop out of an anxious mouse, put it into a calm mouse, and the calm mouse gets anxious. They know if you put a mouse with a, a social disruptor, they live with someone you know who's not very nice and kind, that the good microbes disappear and bad things happen. So they know that stress impacts the health and the vitality and diversity of the good, healthy microbiome. Well, chocolate helps prevent that from happening. So another really powerful study on that. And they really believe that how chocolate works is as it works on the gut-brain access by supporting the health of the gut. The gut sends electrical signals to the brain, and the brain goes, oh, wow, they're handling stress better. So the brain sends a message to the gut saying, hey, the war is over, it's gonna be okay. So the gut gets the message that there's no bear chasing them, the war's over, and the gut starts to allow in this non-stress message it got from the brain, that, hey, the war's over, I just got the headlines that the war's over, and there's a ticker tape parade, and we can be happy, and then and all of a sudden, good bugs begin to proliferate, and then that sends a message to the brain that says, hey, we're having a party down here, we're having a ticket tape parade, it's really great, there's no stress here, and the brain gets the message, really, that's great, you guys are so happy, and then it sends another message down to the brain, that all as well. This is how you brew a sattvic environment in your life. Literally, that's how it happens. It doesn't have to only happen with chocolate, but it can happen with chocolate. And when you begin to, to, to surround yourself 
with messages to the brain and the brain back to the gut and the brain back to the gut that, that the world is de-stressed, then we can actually allow the proliferation of different types of beneficial and more diverse microbes. This is the new science. And this is where a little bit of chocolate can help to de-stress you and help neutralize the impact of the stress. Otherwise, that stress is going to pound away at your gut, take out your good mugs, bugs, send a message to your brain. There's a war on down here. I don't know what's going on. The brain goes, okay, freak out, sends stress-fighting chemicals back down. That sends the, the, an army of stress-fighting microbes into the equation. And now we start brewing more rajastic, more stimulating, more aggressive microbes. And the studies show that those are not as beneficial for our health as the good sattvic ones are. So how would you then navigate chocolate? Well, chocolate has this at the right amount. It has this happy send to the brain, all is really good message, right? So that's a powerful message and that sends a message to the brain and we can build on that a little bit. And that of course comes Ayurvedically at the end of the kapha season. We need a little anti-kapha stimulation to kind of get the nervous system sort of charged up. I think that's sort of fascinating how that how that works actually. So let's dig in a little bit and talk about um, some of the, the the chemicals that are in chocolate that do all this do all these amazing things that we know from the gut to the brain, the brain to the gut. We know there's over 300 different chemicals of which we know very few about. And the studies that I'm gonna to talk to you about now are really only on a handful of the chemicals, the flavonoids and the flavones that are in and some of the polyphenols, but really, you know, we don't know um, so much about really what's happening. And I'll explain to you that in a minute. That particularly comes important when you're looking at the difference between heated roasted chocolate or raw chocolate. It's a big debate in the world out there right now, is raw better than heated? And I'm gonna talk about some of the studies on both sides of that equation. And I think the final answer to that is we really don't know because we haven't studied all 300. Hang on a second and we'll get into that. Let's look at some of the chemicals that we do know about. We know that there's a chemical, there are endorphins in, in uh, chocolate and cacao that are natural neurotransmitters that give deliver feelings of euphoria and comfort. And as a result, it is, is a powerful comfort food. Um, there are actually chemicals in it called endogenous morphines, literally have morphine-like effects in the brain to give you this sense of happiness and this sense of joy. In one study, uh, women chose chocolate over sex because they got such a, a lasting benefit. There's even chemicals in chocolate that make the effect last two to three hours longer after you eat it, so it doesn't just disappear very quickly. So it's it's uh, they say medicine from the gods is what the Aztecs called it. Um, and that chemical is actually called theobromine and theobromine is actually what that means. It's the medicine of the gods and uh, it's both a stimulant and a sedative. So it gives you that energy, but also calms you down. So that's not a bad place to live, right? You're living in that, in that world of where you're feeling energized, but you're also calm at the same time. And that's, and that's uh, one of the things that makes chocolate special. It also has caffeine in it, and the caffeine will, it was also part of the chemical constituents that actually deliver the stimulation part, but it's clearly not the only part. Um, caffeine is a, clearly a stimulant, and I think that's one thing you have to, we always have to be aware of how much stimulation we're doing from the caffeine, because we know the caffeine works through the adrenals, and that will make and drive the nervous system to make energy it doesn't really have, 
And if you keep driving, driving, driving adrenals into exhaustion, we end up in a situation where we are exhausted. We adrenals have uh, spent way more than their limit and we're in significant debt. And when the adrenals become depleted, the adrenals are this little small little gland sitting on the top of your kidneys are not wonderfully brilliant. They get message from the brain to make more adrenaline and adrenaline and they go, I don't have it, we're, blend, we're spent, we're exhausted. So they go to the reproductive organs, they usurp testosterone and progesterone to actually help make more cortisol, stress-fighting hormones. They'll go to the blood sugar, to the pancreas to drive the craving for sugar more to get that energy there. It'll go to the thyroid and try to upregulate metabolism. If we get the metabolism going, they'll feel better because reality is we're deeply exhausted. We're in major debt and we have no money to pay our bills. So the adrenals say, well, this is borrow a little money here and there. And that gets from the adrenals and the reproduction. And, and you end up having cravings of blood sugar and epidemics of prediabetes. We have thyroid problems, you know, really epidemic in this culture. We have people, uh, reproductive concerns that are probably you know, much greater um, percentages than ever before. So we wonder, is that because we're under so much stress? You could say the hunter-gatherers were chased by lions. and But I think that happened like once in a while. I don't think that they lived every day of their life under so much 24-hour stress. I think that we do. We are going 90 miles an hour. We're going 24-7. We work, work, work. I, I had a patient this morning who uh, she works 40 hours a week, drives the kids to school, picks them up, cooks, cleans, makes dinner fresh from scratch every single meal. She came from a third world country, traditional way of living. So she did everything, on, took the kids here, took the kids here, and still maintained a very, very high level full-time job. And I was like, I don't understand that. Where, does the where do you get the time to do that? It doesn't make any sense to me. You know? And then of course, when she went back to her home country, all of her problems disappeared. When she came here, it was no problem. But she didn't feel stressed about it because she has such a huge capacity she could handle it. But we don't realize the impact of the stress plowing through our gut, taking out our good microbes. The good microbes regulate our weight, regulate our mood, regulate your ability to handle blood sugar, regulate your immunity, um, and, so the, and your bone density. And that's, of course, the, the, the incredibly short list of that. So. When we really look at our culture, we have to ask ourselves how much stimulation or how many stimulants are we engaged in? Coffee, chocolate, uh, you know, even green tea is caffeinated, uh, sugar, donuts, you know, other green, um, 20, you know, uh, five hour energy, energy drinks, things like that. Um, and when you look at sugar content on some of the on some of the foods that we eat, they're just so loaded with sugar that it is a powerful, powerful injection. A Coca Cola, sugar and caffeine, and it's just sort of overwhelming. And I think that that when Ayurveda says live a sattvic life, they were really onto something. I mean, really onto something. We know that if you live a sattvic life, that your good microbes flourish. We know that if you live a stressful life, your good microbes disappear. We know that a little bit of chocolate can actually provide benefits for those. We probably don't know yet the long-term effect of so much chocolate because we don't even know really how chocolate works. We've only measured a handful of the 300 chemicals that are there. So we're sort of, we're sort of, you know, um, you know, I, I don't think that chocolate was something historically in in, in the traditional Aztecian culture that that they would do it every single day. I think it was sort of more ritualistic. Um, However, that would be something to look at more closely. 
Uh, it was highly revered though, there's no doubt about that. So caffeine is a, is a drug that we have to be careful of always. Um, chocolate also has an amino acid called tryptophan, which is a natural precursor to serotonin. And serotonin is, of course, the natural antidepressant and the natural anti-anxiety agent. So as a, as it has a lot of tryptophan in it. So that gives you the ability to, to go to sleep, to handle stress, to, to de-stress yourself. So when you take this herb, this, this cacao, typically you feel uh, just a whole lot better, right? You feel less stressed. You can handle stress a whole lot more. One of the other uh, powerful constituents that they, they call it the love chemical or the love drug is the, the, the uh, phenylethylamine, which is the chemical that is responsible for that euphoric kind of love romantic feeling. And um, it's been shown to lower blood pressure, been shown that chemical lowers, lowers blood pressure, blood sugar, uh, provides that feeling of excitement and alertness, all these these constituents team up to create this sort of rainbow coalition of incredible euphoria to the brain. As one chemical called anandamide comes from the word ananda or bliss. So it actually provides this bliss chemical to give, which is a actual dopamine activator. And dopamine is that I got to have it right now hormone. So the, so the more you stimulate yourself um, with chocolate or other types of dopamine activators. Coffee is a dopamine activator as well. Sugar is a dopamine activator. All the reward chemistry, shopping is a dopamine activator for sure as well. All these things that we use to stimulate ourselves um, tend to create a reward. And then the brain goes, ooh, I liked it up there. That felt really good. So then we need a bigger reward to get up there. And, and the anandamide is the, one of the more powerful dopamine activators, gives you that instant bliss, euphoria, reward, but then you want to get up there again. So your brain always seems to be stimulated to want to get to that high level again. You add sugar to the mix there, you have sugar getting you to that high level, and sugar we know lasts a very short period of time, so what goes up comes down, you want more of that. So that's terrible when you put sugar and chocolate together. Um, in fact, by the way, milk chocolate has been shown to actually, the milk in the chocolate actually inhibits the antioxidant effect of chocolate. So it actually does, it, anti, it actually inhibits the effect of the actual cacao. So it just gives you the, this juice from the chocolate or from the sugar, which is not good. But the cacao is a dopamine and serotonin precursor. So it's going to give you a reward-based chemistry. Then you got to ask yourself, hmm, am I thinking about it? tomorrow? Am I thinking about it the next day? Is it one of those things that like I think about a glass of wine when I come home from work? Do I think about stopping for a cup of coffee at Starbucks? Do I think about having a piece of chocolate? And if you're having small amounts and you're still sleeping really well and your life is in order, this is not a terrible, terrible thing to have happen. However, from the Ayurvedic perspective, they were sort of about maximizing full human potential. And creating a sattvic life was one that didn't require stimulants to be happy. It was your nature to be happy and joyful. You didn't, you weren't happy because something happened, you got chocolate. You were you weren't your life wasn't based on what's happening. You're you were joyful for no reason. It was your nature to be that. So that's sort of an interesting concept, is how can we begin to to change this need to get a stimulant, a coffee, a chocolate, you know, a glass of wine, you know, or, or an exercise session, a yoga class to feel better. How can we or can we actually begin to uh, feel better on our own? Do I need to go shopping to get stimulated? We all know that these things stimulate dopamine 
and they give us a reward chemistry. But if we, then it leaves us set up for only wanting another reward chemistry and another and another. So a good exercise, you know, while we're talking about chocolate, and, and again, I'm not saying we shouldn't eat it. I just think that whenever, whenever something begins to have a hook into you and, and you're thinking about it all the time and you long for it, you don't feel good without it, well, then it sort of has control over you and we don't know what that will lead to. And I think that's a, that's a red flag. You start thinking about wine. You start thinking about alcohol. Those are red flags. We know that you become an alcoholic. We don't have that same kind of red flag around shopping or Starbucks or, or chocolate. They're just sort of friendly, wonderful experiences that we can continue to have. Maybe so, but I would venture to say that, that if you can begin to take a look and list the things that you are stimulating yourself with, I call them injectables, things that you use to inject yourself to get from here up to here to feel happy. And if you're doing that a lot, you might want to think about how can I, you know, play the game of life? How can I begin to take action in my life to free myself from using that thing to make me happy? How can I be free to from having a reward-based chemistry fill me up? Because what happens when that reward stops delivering? And or I or for whatever reason it doesn't seem to work any longer. And that's generally the nature of these reward chemistries. So the more you stimulate them, the bigger the stimulant you need to get the same reward. Where the other flip side of that is the oxytocin hormone, which is made when you love and you give and you care, you touch, massage, hug, care for other people, love them fully without actually needing a reward, asking for something. In one study, they showed the difference between someone who was loving egotistically with an expectation to get something back and someone was loving and giving uh, eudaimonically, which means loving with no expectation to get anything back in return. And they found out that when people love fully eudaimonically, this kind of just love for the sake of loving because it's your nature to do that, that their, gen their, their genome changed. There's an epigenetic effect on their gene. When they gave love the same way with an ego expectation of some sort, that there was no epigenetic effect on the genome at all. So we have some pretty cool science to say that we can evolve and reach a level of full potential without the stimulants. And that's sort of the message that I want to get. One message, chocolate is okay in moderation. Really it is. If it begins to have a control over you and hook into you, then we should probably start thinking about maybe I, like anything else, wine, coffee, anything else. You start thinking, you know what, I'm going to go without that for a week and see if I can see how I do. I think that's a smart way to go through life this way. You never get yourself you know, set up to be dependent on anything. Uh, your happiness, your love, your joy is yours. It should not be dependent on something outside of you. That is a fundamental Vedic concept. And I think that uh, these stimulus that we've discovered, humans have discovered them all. Slavery came from chocolate and sugar. And we've done a lot of bad things to get this taste into our brain not all good and wonderful. And uh, so something, something to think about um, for sure. Uh, a couple of other studies that I want to talk, talk about the difference between um, some chocolate, uh, the raw and the heated chocolate. And then I want to talk about um, some of my favorite 100% dark chocolates that I thought would be fun for you to, to have uh, some information about. Here's a study. In, uh, in one study, 34,000 most postmenopausal women <laughs> were put on a high flavonoid doc, uh, diet with chocolate, and they had a 22% lower risk of developing coronary artery disease. In another study, 
um, when people um, add 2.3 grams of chocolate per day, which is a couple of bars a day, easy, had a 50% uh, decreased risk in cardiovascular disease compared to folks who didn't have any chocolate at all. Blood pressure and cholesterol levels were lower with six grams of chocolate per day. That's a lot of chocolate. So, you know, again, we have a lot of studies like we did with coffee too, that the more you take, the better it is. And that's where I feel like we have to be a little bit careful when we, when we take these studies and go, oh, I should eat tons of this stuff. Uh, another study, uh, 20 subjects with high blood pressure had 100 grams of dark chocolate. It's about a, a, a bar's worth. And so a significantly a significant drop in blood pressure and a 10% reduction in um, cholesterol levels. So uh, again, um, so here we go. Um, one of the things, the, the difference between um, raw and cooked chocolate is of course the raw chocolate is it's raw and it never been heated and um, generally not fermented. So what happens when um, they take chocolate and they take the pods at the end of the rainy season, they split them open and they take away the husk, the, the, the pulp, which is very sweet. And then they have the, the beans. What they do with the raw chocolate is they take the bean and they, they, um, they dry it on a hot, hot roof and it just dries. And then they have a fan and they blow it against the wall and it cracks the, uh, the, the bean open. And that's the chocolate nib, which is loaded. It's just the actual bean loaded with the antioxidants. It's the most powerful part of chocolate. That nib is powerful, powerful medicine. Uh, if you can acquire a taste for that in small amounts, there's, you know, very small amounts is all you would need. You can create a powerful effect on your antioxidant benefits and really get some of the medicinal benefits we're talking about here. But again, you know, we don't want to get necessarily addicted to that. Um, what they do with the uh, what they what they do um, traditionally is is they would take the chocolate and they would cut it and they would put it in a banana leaf and then it would start to ferment and they would let it ferment and they used to traditionally make it into an alcohol and they would drink this chocolate cacao alcohol and that was something that they they uh, the Aztecs did a lot of but traditionally now when they make chocolate they let it ferment and then they then they begin to, then they have to, then they dry it. And the drying seems to have no good or bad effect. That's a natural thing for it to have. It doesn't affect the antioxidant uh, qualities at all. The fermentation process has actually been shown in some studies to reduce the, uh, the quantity and the effectiveness of some of the antioxidants that they measure. Now, remember, they're only measuring a handful of these antioxidants. They don't have measurements for all 300 of them. So when I tell you that fermentation has been shown to decrease the antioxidant potential in some studies, there's probably other studies that show the opposite. This is where it gets a little bit confusing. Um, um, and uh, in one study, it showed that it actually reduced the, the antioxidant effect by 80% in one study. The drying didn't seem to be bad for it. They dry it both whether it's a raw uh, chocolate cacao process or a heated roasted process, traditional roasted process, that doesn't seem to be have any problem at all. Then in the roasting process, they roasted for like nine to 10 hours. And that actually, you know, will actually uh, allow the, the bean to dry and to actually become very brittle. And then they can crack the shell and they release the chocolate nib in, in, in the heating, in the roasting heated chocolate process. There are studies on both sides of the aisle here that show that in some studies that the antioxidant benefits are higher 
without the roasting process. But there are studies that show, and one study has shown that the roasting process increases the antioxidant uh, potential by over 600%. That's a huge difference. So I, I, my, the point here is that I think that the raw process is probably the better way to go. However, I don't think that if you have a chocolate that's all dark, that's, that's, that's really, you know, a really good quality chocolate, there are definitely medicinal benefits there that work and they're well documented. And the roasting, and many times cooking, you know, cooking is one of the things in, on this planet that, that spawned the evolution of man. If it wasn't cooking and getting, getting concentrated, concentrated nutrition, uh, we wouldn't even be here probably. So according to a lot of the newest science. So saying that roasting is just bad, I think that is an oversimplification that raw is necessarily better. I do think that there are there, and this study showed that the 600% more effective the antioxidants in this case. Maybe that's what the cacao, such a concentrated nib of, of, of antioxidant and polyphenol you know, concentration needs to, for it to be released. That's something that is something for us to, for us to, to take a look at. Um, the next part that they don't do in the raw, which they do do in the traditional way, is they alkalize it to make it less bitter. And this is where they actually do have some significant studies showing it does reduce the, quant the, the, the medicinal potential of the chocolate. And this is not done in the raw chocolate. So the raw chocolate is significantly better in this regard. So, um, and the rest of the process seems to be fairly benign with in terms of pressing the chocolate and, and all that to make it, make it better, to make it, to make it into the chocolate bar that you like and all that. So I, you know, I, when I looked at both of them, it's, I, I lean towards the raw for sure, but I don't think that a good quality dark chocolate is, is something that you necessarily have to avoid. I think that there's medicinal benefit there. The white chocolate, by the way, just to make sure you know, has zero polyphenols, zero antioxidants, it's all been washed out. So it's basically just sugar. So that's something to just make sure that you know to avoid for sure. Um, okay, um, a couple of my favorite chocolate bars that I think um, I, I thought were, was very, very interesting. Um, and I wrote a little article about this. I was had, I had a patient, I was talking to her and she told me that uh, she loved her chocolate. And I reminded her of the sugar in the chocolate. And she told me that she'd only drinks 100% dark chocolate because she can't tolerate any sugar at all. And I said, well, you know, it tastes like cardboard, right? I mean, nobody would eat that. And she said, oh, no, no, no. If you get the, the best dark chocolate, 100% pure, that it tastes really, really great. And I said, really? And she sent me you know, a little care package of all this 100% dark chocolate. And, uh, and I told the story in one of my blogs. I thought it was really cute. But I, I took a couple of the, the, the package came, and I took a couple of pieces. And it was actually quite good. And I had this interview to do. And, and, I, and I, it was like an hour-long interview for some magazine. And I did this interview. And I basically, I think I talked about 95 miles an hour the entire time. Didn't take a breath the entire time. I felt like my brain was just going like crazy. And I was just... Um, through the first time I think I ever really got a super chocolate brain rush and, and really experienced the cognitive boost that you could get from some 100% pure dark chocolate. So I believe that if you're going to do dark chocolate, you know, use it as an opportunity to acquire a taste for the bitter as opposed to only being satisfied by the sweet. What chocolate can provide for us, I believe is the ability for us to change our natural taste, which is overshot the runway to need sweet. From the first time you had mother's milk from two, three million years ago, 
we have been brainwashed that sweet is a safe food and it and the more that we can get the better the more the bigger we can hybridize the the fruits then the sweeter we can make them and the sweeter the grains and the sweeter this and the sweeter that the better we are and now 3 million years later we have a world where we can get as much sweet as we want whenever we want we have overshot that runway and we are overweight and we can't stabilize our mood and we have exhaustive adrenal issues from being overly stimulated to the max. So if we, and we've lost the ability to like bitter taste. Historically, millions of years of evolution, there was no sweet taste on the planet. The sweetest thing on the planet was a carrot. So we really didn't have a sweet taste to really to, to go to. We love fatty foods and bitter things. And we got sort of juiced by these very bittery things and we didn't need to make them sweet. 100% dark chocolate gives you the opportunity to actually acquire a taste for the bitter. And it does deliver a, a instant you know, reward chemistry in small amounts that can give you a level of satisfaction. So again, as a medicine, I'm sort of proposing that you could use dark chocolate, 100% dark chocolate, as a, as a way to decondition you from the sweet taste. We really all need to do that. I also suggest that while you're taking dark chocolate that you, of any kind, and if it's not 100% or 80% or 70%, that everybody gets in the habit of taking their own blood sugar. So you're in charge of knowing exactly what the stimulant, the sugar, what is it doing to your blood sugar? Your blood sugar in the morning determines really your status of either getting healthy or getting unhealthy. It's a direct measure to your, your longevity or predisposition to the degenerative process. When you have a little bit of extra sugar in your blood, we know it increases a process called glycation. Glycation is when proteins and the sugars in the blood stick together and they clump and they make the blood very thick. These glycation end products are the smoking gun for every degenerative condition. They find it in the brain and cognitive issues. They find it in the heart, heart disease and arthritic conditions and cancers, they find these glycation end products everywhere where the body's been broken down. So don't kid yourself. Blood sugar is critical. And sugar, chocolate, is oftentimes laced with sugar. And if you overshoot that runway, you can definitely uh, change your blood sugar. Uh, the 100% dark chocolate, I would suggest that you test your own blood sugar. Take dark chocolate before you go to bed or after dinner and see what your blood sugar looks like in the morning. And you begin to determine whether you can have chocolate or a sweet or a 70% or whatever 50% chocolate you have. If you have a, a really low blood sugar, you probably have a little bit more rope in terms of not letting the glycation effect impact you. The, the test that measures your glycation is called the hemoglobin A1C test. And, and the number in Western medicine, they like that to be uh, below 6%. I personally like that number to be in the low fives, 5.1 or 5.2%. Then you really know you're not glycating. That's what you want to shoot for. And uh, if your number's over that, then you're glycating, which means you're damaging your skin on the outside, the skin on the inside. And of course, we know it's a smoking gun for all these degenerative concerns in the body. So, so uh, before I tell you what chocolates to eat, I highly suggest that you get a glucometer and you make sure that you learn how to scrub a lifestyle that allows you to get those numbers in the morning between 70 and 85 milligrams per deciliter. That's the measurement that you want. We have a new one that goes right into your iPhone. It's super slick. It's a very simple streamlined 
little glucometer that measures your blood sugar. It's what I use every morning. I love it. And uh, it keeps you on the straight and narrow. If that number is starting to, starting to get a little high, you're, you're going to start eating better. It's just a direct, instant, daily biofeedback loop to help you stay on a healthy track for, you know, for the long haul. Okay, so a couple of my favorites. Uh, there's, a, there's a company called uh, Genesis Raw Chocolate. I love them. They have 100% dark chocolate. They also they mix like um, they they mix like amalaki and other types of herbs into their chocolate. So it's really cool company and it's raw. So it's it's uh, as pure as you can make it. Another company I've got a blog written about these things too. It was one is called uh, Chocolat Bonat, made in France. It's B O N N A T. It's another company that tastes really really good. And this is from this woman who was an absolute expert on chocolate, and she sent me her top top couple. Another one that I know you can get at Whole Foods is called Ecstasy with an Ecstasy uh, raw chocolate. It's made in Oregon, and that's also a, a really good one. Another one from France is, or actually, I'm sorry, from Ecuador, which I really love this one too. It's organic. It's also raw. It's called Pacari, P-A-C-A-R-I. Another one is a really great chocolate that I think um, you'll like. And, and you may find that some of these are, are local or, or, or you can track them down Um I don't sell any of these. Um, and then there's another one called um, Francois Prolet, which is uh, um, P-R-A-L-U-S or Pralus uh, Biologique. Biologique in Europe means that it's organic. Um, I don't think it was raw. And there's also one here, uh, a local one in Boulder called Vivi, V-I-V-I chocolate, and it's raw. And they also have... Um, they also have it in 100% dark chocolate, and it's raw enough. It's sweetened with stevia. Uh, other ones have it, like Genesis chocolate sweetens theirs with yacon, which is a, 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 a like a root vegetable, like a tuber from South America. That's also been shown to be a natural prebiotic as well. So there's lots of kind of cool ways that they have sweetened it, but I really personally don't like adding any sweetener to your chocolate. I prefer that you all use chocolate, the bitter taste, to re-educate the brain to say, hey, bitter can deliver something really special because we've lost the taste for bitter. We're overshot the runway for sweet. And that's something that uh, I think we all have to look at and look for. So I'm going to answer some questions right now. If you have any questions on the phone, just push star two. And then um, I'll look and see if you have any questions. Um, and the first question is, I'm wondering if you could talk about the difference between raw and regular chocolate. And, and I think I answered that. There's a completely different way in that they're processed. The regular chocolate has basically been roasted, it's been alkalized, and it's been fermented. And those three things, um, the fermentation has been shown to decrease antioxidant benefit, the alkalization decreases antioxidant benefit, and the roasting is sort of up in the air. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Although there's one study shows that the roasting actually increases it by 600%. So we don't really know. And again, they only studied a couple of the 300 chemicals. So like I said, we just don't know what's better. But if I had to make a choice, I would say that the fermenting process or the lack of fermenting uh, or the, the lack of uh, roasting and the lack of fermenting and definitely the lack of alkalizing is a, an important thing to look at. Uh, another question, will taking magnesium spray on a supplement um, and Gurumar powder, sugar killer, help with my cholesterol addiction. I try to stick with uh, cocoa powder in a chia pudding or cocoa, cocoa in raw protein and maca shake. However, I always crave milk chocolate. Well, there is a powder 
called Gurmar or um, or um, Chardunica, or the botanical name is called Gymnema sylvestra, and it's an herb that's in our uh, sugar distorter formula. And if you open up one of the sugar distorter capsules and you put it on your tongue and you eat a piece of milk chocolate, for example, it'll taste like cardboard and you'll spit it out. But it also does, so it blocks the ability for you to taste the sweet taste. And if you put that on your tongue and swallow it, it'll actually go into your intestinal tract and block your ability to taste the, um, the sweet or absorb the sweet in your intestinal tract and therefore force you to get the energy and the juice from your fat. So it's a pretty cool herb. It's an herb we use to reset um, the ability to be a better fat burner and again, get you off the sugar addiction thing. So, so from that perspective, yes, I think it would help you uh, if you're constantly craving milk chocolate, because if you're craving milk chocolate, you're craving sugar, basically. And that's exactly what I would use to, to help antidote that. Um, okay, I've been told uh, by a very well-known Vaiji that chocolate clogs both the subtle and physical channels of the body, knowing all of the healthcare benefits and antioxidants chocolate has. I'm a little reluctant to give it up. I've been told that chocolate has the absolute worst thing for pitta. Can you shed some light on these thoughts and and that and and why it's perpetuated in the Ayurvedic community. Uh, so I think I did answer that a little bit already that yes, chocolate is a rajasic agent. It is a super concentrated medicine that we have processed to be allowed it to be sweet so we like it and therefore overeat it. That's the basic line. As a medicine, it's absolutely powerful. It's been powerful for almost 3,000 years. It is um, something that I think should be highly respected, not be overused, and not something to be addicted to. In small amounts, I think it cleans out the channels. In large amounts, it'll exhaust those channels and overuse them and then ultimately congest them and create a tamasic bogginess. That's what happens when you overshoot the rajasic runways is you become tamasic. It's, it dulls them. But if you don't overshoot the runway and use it at a small amount and the right amount, then you can have some pretty significant benefit from that. Remember, there are sattvic foods, rajasic foods, and tamasic foods. There's sattvic, rajasic, and tamasic behavior. There's sattva, rajasic, and tamasic in nature. You can't get away from that. That is the nature of life. So to only think that you can never take something tamasic is a mis misinterpretation of what the Ayurveda is saying. However, we always want to always be aiming towards being more sattvic. But even in a sattvic body, your body is breaking down things and making use of them. That's a rajasic environment. Your stomach acid is a rajasic environment. Even in the most sattvic person, it's still rajasic. Okay. Um, any, let's see here if I have any other questions. Um, let's go on the phone. Anybody have any questions on the phone? Push star two. Um, I've got one question here from, um, it looks like a 646 number. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm sorry. I was screaming baby in the background. That's all right. I just had a question. I had a lot of concerns about the lead in chocolate. Those were comments on that. Well, I think, you know, um, 
I don't have any research on how much lead is in chocolate. That's something I can definitely look into. I think that you always want to get something organic for sure. And um, generally speaking, if you have a good organic company, like when I have, we have a good organic company, we get all our herbs and they're all heavy metal tested. So we know that they, they meet certain standards. I think that's really, really important. You have to also realize that in nature, there are heavy metals in the soils and certain plants will pull certain heavy metals out of the soil. And, and it's, it's not necessarily always a bad thing because the body, if you're digesting well, has the ability to process these heavy metals. We're naturally designed to process heavy metals out of the body through the liver. But if that's congestion and digestion is broken down, then you put yourself at risk for that. And that's why I'm such a big fan of like doing like our Colorado cleanse where we reset digestive strength. So yeah, we're exposed to a lot of toxins in the environment, but we have an ability to, to get rid of them. But most people don't digest well and we just stop eating hard to digest foods like wheat and dairy and hard to digest fats. And then we just eat a really pure diet, but you can't get around the toxicity in the foods. You just can't. And therefore, it's a requirement for my mind to be healthy to, number one, reset digestion regularly and then pull, help the body chelate some of the, the heavy metals and fat-soluble toxins out of the fat-stored tissues on a regular basis. And I think that's sort of what hedges your bet. But I will look into the, the, the lead um, part of chocolate a little bit more. And I didn't do research on that. I'm sorry. But um, I would venture to say that an organic chocolate should have had that tested. Um, and then you know that you're getting the, the purest product. Does that help at all? Yeah, thank you, Dr. Uh, you're welcome. Another question from, um, from New York City. Are you there? Yeah, hi, Dr. John. Hi. Uh, question for you. And I don't know if you answered this already because uh, I was going in and out. But um, the company on the top, I don't know if you know it. Cacao nibs. What do you think of them? I think that the you know the cacao nibs are the most powerful part of. I mean, they are the most concentrated, um, and probably the most unprocessed, you know, um, component of you know the chocolate whole industry. And I and I think you have to realize though that they are super super concentrated. You know, it's like taking a very concentrated medicine. And again, I think a lot of people use the, you know, it's almost like in our culture, the more powerful we can make something, the better. And, and I think that's the risk that I, I, can, I can get concerned about people taking things in super concentrated forms in small amounts, you know, once in a while as a medicine, as a medicine at the end of the cough of season to cleanse the shrotas and clean them out, which is after a long rainy season then the chochas and all the channels are so deeply clogged and you take this, this cacao nib to clean them out, I think there's probably no better medicine for people in the rainforest to feel better and become more clear. You know what I mean? You know, I just think you have to start, I always try to plug it back into how was this used in nature? How did it make sense? And how can I then take advantage of it, still aligning myself with, you know, a natural understanding of its seasonal use? Do you know the company Navicon? No, no, I don't know it. Okay, maybe maybe it's something we just get here in the northeast. But um, okay, thank you. Oh, you're very welcome. Okay, and I'm going to go back and see if there's any other questions. Um, no. So let's see, what we have here. Um, 
If I'm craving a lot of chocolate every day, is there any, oops, hang on a second. Sorry. Okay. While I'm here, let me get uh, this question from Vancouver. Are you there? Yeah, what's up? Uh, when you say small amounts, how small are you talking and how often should we be taking the chocolate? Well, I think that um, a lot of it depends on the season, your constitution. You know, dark chocolate is, is going to be, it's going to increase your pitta. So in the summertime, when it's really, really hot, it's not the season that it was traditionally harvested. In the spring, in a, in a rainy season, it can be stimulating in that regard. I think, you know, um, a square or a half a square, if it's 100% dark chocolate, you'll find that really a half a square is all you really need um, to actually give you, you know, that's kind of instant satisfaction, say, after a meal. I always like, if you're going to do it, to take it after a meal so it's part of a meal, so it's not just an empty stomach injection that um, the brain is getting, that it's sort of part of a whole meal and, and, and all the nutrition goes along with it. Um, I think that is an important thing to have. But I would say that, you know, um, a couple of times a week, you know, two, three times a week. And I think the key though, is if you start longing for it, looking forward to it, wanting it, craving it, desiring it, using it as a medicine to get energy when you don't really have it. These are where I think you run into the risk of, of, of having it too much. Does that make any sense? You betcha. And that was my next question. If it should be on an empty stomach or after a meal. And it sounds like it's just something that we're just going to have to experiment with and just kind of see how it works. Yeah. Everybody might be a little bit different. I think you can take it every day for a week, you know, and then put it away for a week or, you know what I mean? But when you start, if you take it every day for a week and next thing you know, you're thinking about it every day for the next two or three weeks, you know, then I just feel like it starts to have control over you. And I think that's where, that's where we're going to run into the risk of it being a problem. You know what I mean? And this is just, there's, there's no science behind what I just said. But there is, that's the Ayurvedic concept, is don't let your senses take and have power over you. And we have thrown in that towel in a lot of ways where we just let these stimulants become, you know, what drive us. Coffee drives so many people and chocolate and sugar drive so many people. And, and I think that's, uh, you know, it's a good exercise it, to begin to scrub that a little bit and, and get your control back and get your joy back. So it's yours, not dependent on something. Thank you very much for that call. Um, uh, back to the questions. Uh, if I'm craving chocolate every day, is another herb, vitamin to exchange that, that give me the same benefits without the sugar? Well, you know, one of the things that if you're craving chocolate every day, you know, things that I look at are, are you know, are you digesting in an efficient manner? The stomach makes a chemical or an acid in your stomach. The acid in your stomach makes a protein called the intrinsic factor, which absorbs and utilizes B12, which drives energy and clarity and mental function. It literally makes your brain bigger, actually, seriously. And if you don't have good stomach acid, which a lot of folks don't because they're stressed out, they don't make enough intrinsic factor. They don't either, if they're vegetarian or vegan, or they just don't utilize the B12 they're getting from their foods, they end up becoming B12 deficient. That's in a deficiency that affects more than half the world's population, so it's not a small number of people. 
So we always say, take a, a sublingual B12, we have one called B12 boost that you suck under your tongue. And that goes right to the brain and, and, and gives you that satiety that you need. And that often will tell you two things. Yes, you were B12 deficient. That's why you were craving the sugar and the chocolate. And number two, your stomach acid is low, which means you're probably not breaking down the wheat and the meat or the dairy or the corn or the soy very well. And they're causing levels of indigestion and bloat and things like that as well. So it's a sort of an interesting diagnostic as well as a therapy for those cravings. But I would look at that. Ashwagandha is a great herb for energy. It doesn't uh, it, it, it increases cortisol or decreases cortisol depending on what's needed. So it has this incredible intelligence about it. So it's not just a stimulant. I, I'm a big fan of, of only taking something that you can take in the morning for energy. You better be able to take that before you go to bed at night and see if that will, will allow you to sleep through the night. That would be the acid test for something that we call an adaptogen, something that's just good for you, rebuilding. So take chocolate in the morning, feel good in the morning. Take it before you go to bed and sleep, see if you can sleep like a baby. And that would determine whether you're getting stimulated by that to the point where it's actually borrowing money from Peter to pay Paul and driving you into debt. That would be an interesting question to ask about your, your chocolate use. Um, I read that there's a problem with high phytic acid content in cacao. Does this apply to um, to cocoa? Does this apply to cacao? Um, yeah, for sure. Phytic acid is one of the things in, that's in a lot of very bitter roots. It's in turmeric, for example. It's in chocolate. Uh, if you have phytic acids or even um, then you have to be careful um, about if you have issues with that. But that generally has to do with a broken down intestinal wall that is usually related to the leaky gut that is now creating a hypersensitivity to some of these, um, some of these acids that become very, very irritating. Um, so it really depends on your personal sensitivity. Raw chocolate is generally fermented as it sits in the sun. Uh, I represent Hokai Healthy Chocolate TM, which is cold pressed like olive oil, but I agree with all your comments on sugar. Um, I, and that's in, you probably know because you have a company that makes chocolate. I've read it both ways that the, that the, that the raw chocolate can actually typically when they cut it and they put it in, in a banana leaf, it, it naturally ferments in the sun. And then uh, others say that it actually doesn't ferment. Um, but um, um, and there was that study that showed that it, that the fermentation process reduces the uh, the fermentation by or by the, the antioxidant potential by like 80%. But um, so uh, maybe I am not clear on that and we can look into that further. That's a great question for me to look into and I will do that more to see if raw chocolate is, is always fermented, never fermented or sometimes fermented. If I'm craving, thanks for that call or that question. If I'm craving a lot of chocolate every day, is there another herb I already did that? Um, uh, here we go. When you say that small amounts, uh, what kind of amounts, amounts are they? I sort of already answered that as well. And uh, let me see if there's any other questions here. Um, does a chiral cleanse do what is needed once one has <laughs> had too much chocolate or does it, uh, or does it need more, more, more to be done? I, I would say that if you've taken yourself to the point where you've taken too much chocolate and you're addicted to it, you know, probably better to be addicted to chocolate than sugar because sugar has a lot of really dangerous effects. It's the smoking gun for a lot of chronic issues. Chocolate means that you're probably not able to make the energy that you need to stabilize mood, clarity, cognitive function on your own. So that's probably, you run yourself into a little bit of a debt. 
Uh, I would probably say the color cleanse is one way to break it because it helps you burn fat better and deliver a, a more stable source of fuel for you. But I also probably want to, at the end of the color cleanse, look into rebuilding your nervous system with things like Bacopa, which is a brain-derived neurotropic factor, turmeric, also a brain-derived neurotropic factor, uh, Brahmi, Centella Asiatica, another herb for the brain, possibly B12, things that will just pay back the debt without causing uh, ashwagandha as well, without causing more debt. One last question. Um, I put a small palm uh, full of beans in a smoothie, vegan protein powder and chia seeds. I wonder if that's too much. Uh, I'm trying to take care of my adrenals. Thanks. Great seminar. Um, thank you for that. Uh, you know, I think the golden rule is, can you take that smoothie before you go to bed and sleep like a baby? That would be one question I would ask. Um, do you find yourself without that chocolate in that smoothie feeling exhausted throughout the day? Then that would be another indicator that you're driving your body to make energy you don't really have by taking this. So we want to sort of troubleshoot what's the value of that bean in there. Is it really delivering something that you really become have become dependent on? And then I would begin to say, what if we can find better ways to build that and pay back that debt? So then once in a while, you can have a shake or some chocolate and enjoy the benefits of it, but not have it be something that you are addicted to, craving, longing for, or looking forward to. All right, everyone, I hope you enjoyed this. This, uh, this is an incredibly uh, huge topic. Um, I don't feel like I'm an expert in chocolate. I did a lot of research on it for this. I think there's lots of folks out there who know a lot more about chocolate than I do. I wanted to present to you the Ayurvedic side of it, though, which I do feel like is a, a strong point with regard to what we know about chocolate and the research. And, and I think the other takeaway here is that we don't really know that much about it. We don't know much about the many of the other constituents in what chocolate does in terms of, you know, how, which way things are going to thrive or, or, or stay active in terms of the processing. However, my personal takeaway was the less processing always the better. I'm a little unclear as to whether roasting it is necessarily good or bad because cooking is not necessarily always bad in my opinion. Uh, and, uh, so, um, off we go. Uh, I will keep my, my eyes on, on the research ball. And as I find more information about that and the research on it, and if any of you guys, a lot of you guys are experts, please send me that research. I'd love to see it and I'll pass it along. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate it. See you next month.